Welcome to the Westminster Town Hall Forum, where for 37 years we have engaged the public in reflection and dialogue on the key issues of our day from an ethical perspective. Our hour-long forums are free and always open to the public. We invite you to join us in the sanctuary of Westminster Church for upcoming events. Information may be found at westminsterforum.org or on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn as well. My name is Tim Hart Anderson. I'm the senior minister here at Westminster Presbyterian Church, located on Nicollet Mall in beautiful downtown Minneapolis, and moderator of the forum. It's my pleasure to introduce today's guest speaker. Honey Thalgia is internationally known as an advocate for the role of sports in empowering women and girls in the Middle East and beyond. She's a co-founder of Women's Football in Palestine and served as the first captain of the Palestinian women's national football team. Following her career in football, she joined FIFA, the International Federation of Association Football, where she leads its efforts to promote diversity, gender equality, health, and peacemaking through sports. She has been recognized as a champion for peace by the organization Peace and Sport, and she serves as an ambassador for such sports organizations as Save the Dream, Homeless World Cup, and Football for Peace. During a difficult time of upheaval and pain for the Palestinian people, our speaker offers a poignant and timely call for global reconciliation through the power of sports. Ladies and gentlemen, please join me in welcoming to the Westminster Town Hall Forum, Honey Thalgia. So, good afternoon, everyone. Um, thank you, Dr. Tim, for this great introduction. I think he said it all. Maybe I should leave. <laughs> so, it's absolutely a great pleasure and honor to be here today with all of you um, in the Westminster Forum. It's historical indeed, in a historical, beautiful place like this, within uh, a diverse um, uh, audience. Um, of course, I would also like to thank Dr. Rev. Mitri Rahib, who is here today with us, to um, make the link and connect us together. And of course, I'd like to thank uh, FIFA, um, uh, represented by our Secretary General, Fatma Samoura, because she also gave me the opportunity to be here. So I hope we will have great 25 minutes together, and hopefully I will not be too boring for you guys. <laughs> So, um, everybody's wondering uh, why my name is Honey. <laughs> so we can start with that. Usually when I introduce myself, I always introduce it that way. I'm Palestinian, Arab, Christian, woman from Bethlehem. I play football all my life and my name is Honey and Honey is my real name. So you know that Honey here, it's like, Honey, I'm home. <laughs> but. <laughs> With my name, it's a little bit different. <laughs> I don't know what happened to my dad at that moment, but he thought it's better maybe than Bunny. <laughs> so usually with all these identities that I have introduced, being a Palestinian Arab uh, woman playing soccer uh, in the narrow streets of Bethlehem has brought a lot of challenges and stereotypes, prejudice, and uh, barriers. And uh, just to start with, uh, with Palestinian, you know, as a Palestinian growing up in Bethlehem, 
Uh, we had to grow up in a very difficult circumstances, as you know, surrounded by walls, restrictions, checkpoints, and, um, and many barriers. And to grow up in a, in, a, in, a, in a culture, in a situation where you feel that sometimes tomorrow might never come. Uh, this is my childhood, actually. Um, I had to uh, face the first intifada when it started already in 1988, when I was only four years old. Now you know my age. <laughs> and then later on in the second intifada when I was 17 years old. So this is, this is the, the challenges that we had to go through uh, when we were little uh, kids, and I'm sure all my Palestinians' uh, uh, friends and family, they can uh, tell you the same, because we all face the same difficult um, barriers and circumstances. So what happened is um, uh, I generated a passion for football, for soccer. I used to watch TV, black-white TV, um, with my parents and my siblings, we were five uh, living in one small house, uh, one bedroom, um, growing up watching soccer. The FIFA World Cup and who supports this team, that team. Unfortunately, we never had Palestine playing in the FIFA World Cup, but I'm sure one day we will. That's the hope we are carrying with us. So I grew up watching football, but I never got the chance to try this game. So. Every time I wanted to try it, but there was no chances, because as I grew up in a, a restricted somehow um, situation from a political barrier, culture, social, it was not easy to dream and not easy to make your dreams come true. But I wanted to make it come true. So whenever I come back from school, I see the kids playing in the narrow streets of Bethlehem where Jesus was born. And then I wanted to join them. But I had a lot of fear. You know, I was only seven, but I had to think about all these things. A lot of fear, a lot of insecurity, a lot of uh, um, um, uh, uh, not knowing what will happen. But I wanted to try, so I tried to kick around with the, with the boys in the streets. Of course, at the beginning, nobody wanted me to play. The boys was like, ah, a girl playing with us? No, there's no chance. And I wanted to show them that I can play. And then I started to kick around, and then I found out that I am good. And then they were like, okay, we can have her in our team. So then I was really good. I was kicking and dribbling and scoring. And then I found myself. Actually, I found, this, uh, the, uh, I found the thing that I was looking for since I was a very little child. So, and here, actually, the challenge started. So every time I come back from school, I put my bag and go to the kids to play soccer. My dad comes back from work. And then, of course, he sees me playing soccer in the streets of Bethlehem. He didn't like it at all. So he will take me home, punish me, and ask me to promise to never play soccer again in the streets. So the other day, I come back from school. I put my bag at home. Then I start kicking around with the boys. He comes. At the same time, all my siblings will escape and run home. But me, I'm standing there telling him, watch me, I'm playing football. <laughs> then he gets even more upset because, you know, like I'm challenging the father, the patriarchal society, the, 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 the culture, and the, the, the men who have to take role uh, to, 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 to rule the whole family. They have to decide uh, when we should go home, when we uh, get out, what we should do, what we should dress up, how we laugh, how we speak. 
um, uh, how we walk, everything, it has to be controlled by the patriarchal society that we grew up in. But for some reason, I didn't want to take a no for an answer. Every time he comes back from work, he sees me playing football in the streets. And then every day punishment, every day promise never to come back. <laughs> Until my mom started to tell him that she, she felt uh, so sorry for me, actually, because it was not easy punishment. So she told him, just let her play. You know, when she's older, she's 15, 16 years old, she will realize that football is not for boys. And she will realize that the future will come and the husband and, you know, uh, she will have different interests and the different uh, circumstances. And that actually uh, calmed my dad a little bit. So little did they know, when I became 15, 16, I started to believe that Soccer, football, is much more than the game. It was about building my self-esteem, my confidence, recognition for me as a Palestinian woman, um, teamwork to bring people together, and uh, a hope, a glimpse of hope that we have to, to look for and to fight for and to dream for, which is a very basic thing growing up in a in a country to believe that there is hope tomorrow. There is a chance to live and there is a chance to grow and there is a chance for a better future. So at that moment when the second intifada exactly happened, that's where I have to confront every single challenge in my life because this second intifada happened just two minutes away from where I live. It's, it happened in the Nativity Church where, um, the, where uh, the fighters head um, uh, in, in, uh, in the Nativity Church and we're surrounded for 40 days without electricity, without water, without food. So we had to confront all these situations the same way, okay, less than them because they were uh, in that situation, but uh, surrounded by all these challenges. Curfews, um, gas, tanks, soldiers everywhere. And every, every night, soldiers will attack our home, get us out, you know, whether it's winter, it's, um, it's cold, it didn't matter at all. So I had to confront all that together with my siblings every day in the 40 days. And there where our life completely stopped, absolutely stopped. There was little hope, there was full of despair, full of destruction, um, uh, full of um, uh, so many uh, challenges that we, insecurity and uh, frustration, uh, also together with a lot of anger uh, for the situation that we have to, to deal with every day in our life. And that moment, I was also doing my exams, my high school exam, because I was 17 years old and I was going to do my uh, high school exams, which is a very difficult um, uh, period in our life, as it's called Tawjihi. You know, we have to uh, finish the exams uh, first by the schools and then the government. Uh, it's like uh, two exams in one month, uh, several exams in one month. And then at that time, there was a lot of curfew and a lot of challenges and a lot of soldiers and a lot of tanks everywhere in our life. And I didn't know how to go to my history exam that I tried to study for it, you know. And um, I was walking in the streets with my father trying to find, uh, well, our car was crushed, of course, by the tank, so there's no chance. We were walking around to get uh, a taxi. There was no chance because there was a curfew. And then I saw an ambulance passing by. 
And then with the ambulance, I thought that it's the best way I can go to my exam. So I stopped the ambulance. Little did I know that once the ambulance door has opened, so many other students were in the ambulance going for the exam. <laughs> so I had the same reaction, actually. <laughs> so I went to the exam to write my history exam. Of course, I forgot everything. You know, the Second World War, the First World War, Salah al-Din, uh, uh, what happened uh, in all these times. So, of course, I forgot because I had to go through all this um, uh, before going to the exam. So, at that moment, actually, I started crying. And the moment I started crying, the school teacher came and reminded me of a saying that Yasser Arafat, our former president, said that we are like mountains, we cannot move by the winds, Palestinians. And I said, well, but how this can help me to write my exam? <laughs> but of course, in the end, it helped because we had to, uh, you know, we had to, uh, to think of the next step and how to be empowered and how to, to reach um, uh, to the stars. And that's where actually when I finished my high school exam, so I had to go to the university, Bethlehem University. For some of you who visited Bethlehem, I'm sure they, they had stopped at Bethlehem University. So going to Bethlehem University, I had almost no hope. I didn't know what to study, I didn't know what to do, I didn't know what's, what's next, and um, I was struggling to find out what is my future. And then I, uh, while I was walking um, in the hall of uh, Bethlehem University, I found an advertisement written on it for girls who are interested in football, soccer, should come to see the sports department. And that actually, that moment was the glimpse of hope that I was looking for. So I ran quickly to that department to, to check what's going on. And then I met that teacher and she told me, oh, what are you talking about? This advertisement has been there for ages. Can't you see the ink is already gone from it? <laughs> I was like, from that moment, we want to start. And that's how we managed. She said, how can you start with one person? I said, look, I know how to play football. We can lobby it and we can bring the girls from different um, uh, sports and then we can try. So at that moment, she said, okay, okay, wait, I'll bring you the coach of the men's team. So the coach of the men's team come. He looks at me, he was like, what? I was like, we want to make a football team. He was like, okay, let's try. So he gave me the ball, I tried to dribble, to kick, and then boom, I score it, and then it was, uh, it was exploded. <laughs> and then he said, from this moment, we will start a women's football team. And that actually was the start of the women's football team in 2003, after a lot of destruction, despair, and hopelessness, we found hope. And we wanted to build up this national team, we wanted to build up the self-esteem of the girls, we went to refugee camps, we went to disadvantaged groups, we went to villages, we went to all minorities to convince their daughters to play football. Of course, at the beginning, it was hard to convince the girls themselves to play football, but we managed to convince them that it's like basketball, it's like volleyball, it, it's like um, any kind of sport. And then, of course, the, 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 we started to convince the federation about the soccer team and how to, to recognize us. And then two, days, two years later, they recognized the women's 
football national team and we started on a national team level we started bringing the girls from um, uh, we started to spread to spread from Bethlehem to Jerusalem to Jericho even Gaza we had a women's football team but it for for many reasons of course we didn't manage to train all one together in one place so when we have a tournament we will meet somewhere else they can they go via, via Egypt and we go via Jordan and then we meet somewhere and train but it didn't matter at all. The minute we just go and see the football pitch, it doesn't matter where we come from, what is our religion, whether we are Christians, Muslims, it didn't matter at all. The minute we set the first foot on the pitch, we owned the whole field. And we knew that this is our limit and this is what we want to do. And this is where we want to put our energy, our anger, our frustration, because we thought we wanted, we chose the best tool to change the mindset, the best tool to get recognition, and the best tool to put football in the world map where it is not existing on the political map. And that's what football managed to do. For the first time ever, we were recognized by FIFA in 1998 as a full member, while we are still looking for a state. We are still stateless people and looking for recognition. So we, this is how it started with the, with the team. Of course, when we went to Bethlehem University, and I can mention that as well, you know, I grew up in a DR family, uh, DR consortium, and uh, Bright Star was part of it. I was also um, a graduate from Bright Stars. And uh, we, after Bethlehem University, we didn't see any um, interest also in football because it was difficult still to convince the, the society. And there were, at that moment, I went to Dr. Mitchell Rahib and I asked him if he has the capacity or the willingness to host our football team and try to grow it up together with facilities, infrastructure, and everything. And he, with his vision, his leadership, of course, accepted that, um, um, that, uh, that uh, challenge, I would say. And, and there we started in 2009, building up the whole team, building the infrastructure. And now if you look at DR, we have hundreds of girls playing football. It was the first ever women's club in Palestine, specifically in Bethlehem, to, um, to uh, bring the girls to safe place to play, to play football and secure place to achieve their dreams and move forward. And that's the place where they are training now. So just to continue with that, you know, it, it, it didn't come easy, actually. So we had to encounter the society as well. The same things I have faced uh, of rejection, of criticism, of call, being called a tomboy, of being called that nobody will marry me in the future, of being uh, told that uh, uh, this is a masculine game and this is only for boys and no girls should play. Uh, we just wanted to continue, we were determined to believe that this is our message to the whole world. This is what we want to do, and this is what we will manage to do. The girls from the different backgrounds, I remember one of the girls, for example, Sarab, she's from the SOS village. She came with nothing, but the power that football managed to change her life is really enormous. She managed to get uh, football um, as her dream and uh, her option for a better life. And after that period, you want to know that what happened to me. I had injuries. This is what, another injury, another prison, another barrier that I have to encounter. But I didn't let it go. And as we say, everything happens for a reason. 
um, I, I, during that time, I managed to uh, influence more girls, more boys to come from the streets, to come from the, girl, from the houses in a safe environment to play football. And there where I thought, okay, how about going international? We want the whole world to listen to our message, to listen to our hope, to listen to our, um, uh, uh, to listen to our dreams. And there where I applied for the FIFA master, where I studied sports management um, uh, uh, in three different countries in Europe. And among this master, 30 people from the whole class are, uh, are there from different backgrounds, different nationalities. And then um, after that, FIFA gives an internship to one person, uh, to three people from the class, and I managed to get one of them. That was 2011-2012. Until today, I am in FIFA, working to communicate the, uh, uh, the power of football in breaking down barriers in different countries worldwide. And the examples are, uh, are, are a lot, actually. And one of them I can highlight, or two of them, in, 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 in Jordan 2016, when we hosted the Women's World Cup uh, under 17 for the first time ever, uh, in such an Arab country, everybody thought that this is impossible to happen. The culture, the social, the barriers for women, but we managed to even empower those women and have 75% of the local organizing committee as women uh, with the CEO as women too. And there where uh, we managed to look into the struggles in the country, what, what's happening there, it was the refugees issue. The refugee is a huge issue uh, in, in, in Jordan. And what we wanted to do, we wanted to include the refugees and bring them together to watch the game. Of course it will not end their struggles, their war, their conflict on, but it will give them a glimpse of hope, of a better future, a smile and a determination to dream for a better future. And we brought them all together to come to the stadium to watch the games, the smiles that we have seen in their faces. And I can't forget this little girl, Marah, who said, football just changed my life. Football is everything for me. And she's only five years old. And the same example happened in Papua New Guinea. When I was in Papua New Guinea, I never thought that I would be in such a place in Oceania. This is the most dangerous place for women in, in, uh, in, in the country, to be uh, the most dangerous place for women uh, in, in the world. It's Papua New Guinea. 70% of them who are violated, raped, and uh, get a lot of uh, violence and uh, assaults from their parents, from their uh, husbands, from everyone. And there where everybody thought, how can you host a women's football World Cup in Papua New Guinea? And there the question, the answer was like, through football, we want to empower these people. We want to empower those women. It's true, we will not end the war. We will not end conflicts. But we can give them a chance to build their self-esteem, their, uh, their, their, to, to give them the chance to dare the dream, as I dared to dream one day. And football completely changed my life. I believed through the work we are doing in FIFA or in DR worldwide, we can change those lives and we can embrace uh, um, uh, change uh, to, to, to their mindset and also we can send the message to the whole world that uh, with end violence hashtag which is, requires nothing we can influence so many people and that's the message that came out from Bethlehem from the small team that we started with from DR from Bethlehem University to the outside world that we dare to dream and we wanted a better future and we wanted to bring hope 
to the outside world. We wanted to send a message of love. We want a message of justice, peace, and empowerment. And this is what we are looking for and we are dreaming for. It's the basic for every human rights to have such things. And we thought through football, through the power of its, its, itself, through the magic that it has, we can make this happen. And as always, Mitri says actually, the sky is the limit and not the walls, not the restrictions, not the barriers. And thank you very much for having me here. Thank you, Hanif Algea, for that inspiring presentation. For those listening on the radio, you can't see it, but there was a standing ovation here at Westminster Presbyterian Church. You're listening to the Westminster Town Hall Forum broadcast from Westminster Church on Nicollet Mall in downtown Minneapolis. My name is Tim Hart Anderson. I'm the senior minister of Westminster Church and moderator of the forum. Our speaker today is international soccer star, football star, and human rights activist, Hanif Algea. While the ushers collect questions from the in-house audience, I'd like to thank our broadcast partner, the statewide network of Minnesota Public Radio News, heard here in the Twin Cities at 91.1 FM, and the media sponsor of today's forum, the online news source, MinPost. Thank you as well to the sponsor of today's forum, Windows into Palestine. You're invited to join them today through Sunday for a week-long festival of visual art, music, film, and food celebrating Palestinian art and culture. All events take place at Westminster Presbyterian Church on Nicollet Mall at 12th Street in downtown Minneapolis. Further information is available at windowsintopalestine.com. Please join us for our next Town Hall Forum this coming Tuesday, May 22nd at 7 p.m when Richard Stengel, former managing editor of Time magazine and biographer of Nelson Mandela, marks the 100th anniversary of Mandela's birth with his presentation, Mandela's Way, Lessons for Life in an Uncertain Age. And now, Honey Algea, if you would return to the pulpit, I will present the questions from the audience. You mentioned uh, and described football as a, a way to overcome barriers. I'm wondering if uh, the most obvious barrier in the place where you live has been uh, overcome as well. Have you had any interaction with women playing football on the other side of the wall in the Israeli community? No, uh, not yet. Uh, usually um, we believe in equality and recognition and uh, human rights. And it's important that uh, wherever we go, wherever we um, uh, meet people that we are recognized fully and we have our rights and we are equal. And which, as I mentioned, it's the basic thing we can do. So we are seeking first for recognitions and human rights and justice. Whenever this happens, uh, many, things, many other things happen. A question from the audience. What impact do you think combined Israeli-Palestinian groups, peace groups, apparently not football teams yet, uh, or other organizations have on the Middle East peace, peace process, There's those groups that can overcome these barriers? What impact on the peace process? I believe the peace process has to be sustainable. So one event or one, uh, one game uh, will, uh, will not end uh, the suffering and uh, the injustice of the Palestinian people and any other people worldwide. 
So um, uh, sustainable uh, projects and sustainable events uh, that will reflect on both sides and both communities would be the best solution to bring people together. Do women play other sports in Palestine, and what are some of those sports? And, and are there sort of similar inspiring stories as yours? Of course, there are many other women playing different sports. We have uh, swimmen, uh, swimming Olympians, actually, who represented us in the Olympics. Uh, we have horse riders. We have, um, uh, we have uh, uh, arching, and we have uh, judo. We have many other sports, absolutely. And uh, most of them, they are very inspiring, and they have the same message that I have. Uh, no matter what the circumstances are, no matter what the challenges are, uh, we believe that uh, we Palestinians um, have a strong message to the world, and we want to live, and we are equal, and through football, through sports, we are all united, because uh, it doesn't matter, as I mentioned, what's your, what's your color, what's your nationality, what's your ethnicity, what's your background, we are all united, and that's the message the Palestinian girls uh, um, from different sports and different backgrounds are carrying and conveying to the outside world. Bethlehem, of course, is located in the West Bank. Uh, what about in Gaza? Has there been any activity with uh, football in Gaza through your organization, through your league? So as I mentioned in my speech, yes, at the beginning we wanted to have uh, Gaza to play, uh, the girls in Gaza to play with us. And uh, the first time we, uh, we, we managed to do that, actually it was in 2006, uh, we met for uh, uh, a World Arab uh, Championship in Egypt. Uh, as I mentioned, we couldn't manage to train in the country, so we had to meet in Egypt and train there. Uh, we didn't know the girls before, and we thought that it's a great opportunity. We interact and we meet, and uh, we became family, we became friends. Uh, well, don't ask me about the result, because, uh, <laughs> because it was also our first time to play on a, on a big uh, soccer field. So uh, um, for us, it was important, the representation of the two teams from the West Bank and Gaza. And actually, I can mention one that about, about, about this story, because when, we, when the tournament was over and we wanted to go back home, uh, of course, there were other teams from uh, other countries, uh, and then they saw us um, saying goodbye to each other, the girls from the West Bank and the girls from Gaza. And then they all questioned, like, what is going on? Like, you are not traveling to the same country? Why, why this is happening with tears and emotions and all that? And we were like, no, they will go on another side and we will go on another side. And sadly speaking, until today, we have never met them again. I hope that we will, um, sooner or later. A number of questions have come to us about uh, traveling and, and limits to your, your um, ability to move around internationally. Of course, you're now with FIFA in Switzerland, but when we, you were in Palestine, uh, how difficult was it for, for the team or for you to, to secure travel beyond, beyond the West Bank? I mean, it's absolutely very difficult. Look at our team, our family, who came just uh, three days from Palestine. How many days they have to, 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 to arrive, to reach here? Three days? It was three days, actually. They had to pass through Jordan and the borders and then take the flights and then the delays of the flights and then irrigation at the airport. We faced that every single day in our life. It didn't save me that I'm in Switzerland now because every time I go to my country, 
Um, I get detained and I get questions and my stuff is are taken from me, my, my phones, my, uh, my laptop, everything. So can you imagine that for a girl who is only 14 years old or even uh, younger, to just have to encounter all this injustice every day in her life and the surrounding that we have to grow up in. Uh, it's frustrating and of course we always maybe think that one day uh, why, we, why this is all happening to us, why we have not born in Minnesota for example and eating a lot of Juicy Lucy every day. <laughs> 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 yeah, Juicy Lucy, right? <laughs> it's a good one, actually. And uh, it's really hard. And uh, to be in a team traveling, it's, it's always struggling because you don't think about just uh, how to play and how to perform. You have to think how to, to, to pass all these borders and to be detained uh, at the borders uh, with soldiers. And uh, one, one time the coach will not pass. One time uh, three players will be left. And one time we are never one team all. We, we never arrive one team uh, all together. So it, it was really hard. So when Americans travel to Israel or uh, to visit Jerusalem or Bethlehem, we fly to Tel Aviv and then drive 30 minutes into Jerusalem or Bethlehem. You all would fly to Amman, Jordan, and then cross over the international border, Jordan, into Israel. Mm -hmm. And that's hours and hours away when there's an airport very close in Tel Aviv. Uh, tell us about uh, the, the responses you're getting from Men, we understand your culture, at least I think we understand that the culture from which you came, uh, which you come, uh, is somewhat patriarchal, and the traditional men would not support women as your own father. Uh, and tell us what kind of response you're getting from men, and maybe from your own father, now that you've been such mm -hmm. a success. Now, I'm sure you all wonder what is my father's reaction, you know. I didn't finish that in the story. I kept it for your imagination. Yeah. <laughs> so, actually, my father is very proud now. And uh, I'm sure he's listening. Every time I'm in the news or in TV shows or everywhere, you know, like he started to be proud when he saw that happening. Uh, one day, it was a big game in 2008 where the first league kicked off. And uh, Mahmoud Abbas, our, uh, our president, was there together with the FIFA president, and I was the captain of the team, you know. And uh, there was a picture in the newspaper, and the biggest newspaper in Palestine went out. And then my father, at that moment, took the newspaper, and he went around to the neighbors. He was like, this is my daughter, you know. <laughs> and, you know, I always say, if I manage to challenge my dad and to never take uh, a no, uh, for an answer, I can challenge the whole world. <laughs> uh, and we understand that you're living now in Switzerland and have been for many years. How close, uh, close in contact are you with your family and, and the, the women playing soccer back home in Palestine? It's very close, you know, uh, and I'm always proud to be close because this is where I come from, this is my identity, this is my roots, and my family and friends are all there. And of course it's hard sometimes just to live in, uh, in the diaspora without, um, uh, you know, meeting your friends and family every day in your life. And of course I have a great special connection with my team. Uh, because I grew up with them. We had to face the same challenges. We cried together, we laughed together, uh, we hoped together, we smiled together, and we broke 
uh, our barriers together. And that's why every time I go to Palestine, I go to DR and I train with the girls and I kick around. And I'm proud and inspired by them every time I go because now they are coaches, they are administrators, they are referees, and they are training the new generation. Uh, we have now hundreds of girls playing in Palestine. And thanks to those girls, who uh, were determined and, uh, and worked hard to make this happen. So I'm always connected to the family. I travel around two times, three times a year, although I still have to face all the challenges in between. But this keeps me uh, energetic. I recharge my batteries every time I'm there. And uh, I'm happy always to be uh, with my family and friends in Bethlehem, Palestine. We know that the Christian population in Palestine is shrinking rapidly and is uh, diminishing more and more every year. Uh, you say you're from the Christian community in Bethlehem. Uh, did your Christian faith influence you at all as you became a soccer player or your religious environment uh, influence you to uh, tackle such barriers? I'm sure, you know, faith is important. And just to believe that uh, tomorrow uh, will be a better day and the inner belief that we had to carry it on growing up uh, next to the Nativity Church, growing up in the Sunday schools of the Lutheran Church, uh, growing up surrounded with uh, lovely uh, parents and family uh, that they took us always to church, it makes you stronger. And there were a lot of people ask, how do you manage through all these situations that you still smile? And then I always say, it's the inner peace and faith that we have and the belief that everything happens for a reason and tomorrow is always better and what, ne what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Uh -huh. <laughs> we should note for the Minnesota audience that Honey is a Lutheran. Uh, this, is, this is the heart of the Lutheran world right here in Minnesota. <laughs> Even though we're in a Presbyterian church yeah. at the moment. <laughs> We're all united. <laughs> what about uh, Islam and Muslim girls participating in, in your league? Uh, and uh, were, there, were there other kinds of obstacles for them to participate? It was the same obstacles for Christians and Muslims. And that's what kept us united and together. Uh, um, uh, because our team was very special. It was half Muslims, half Christians. And uh, we didn't face an issue at all. It was, um, you know, in Palestine, I can say it's the best harmony in the Middle East where Christians and Muslims are together without any problems. Because, you know, we have one cause and we have one dream and we have one uh, uh, challenge. And uh, our, our, our cause is similar. We just want justice and peace and humanity uh, and uh, the full basic rights that we are all seeking in Palestine, whether Christians and Muslims. So it was great to play with, uh, uh, with my colleagues, and it was great that we were half-half, and it was great that we managed to believe in ourselves and hope and uh, broke all these prisons uh, and barriers that we were surrounded um, with every single day in our life. There are several soccer enthusiasts in our audience who want to know what position you played when you were playing football. You know, I, have, I always have uh, had number 10. So do you know number 10? It's actually Messi. <laughs> no, I played a striker, a forward. I always used to score all the, all the balls. So, somehow we're not surprised that you were the striker. <laughs> I scored the goals. <laughs> uh, 
We hear a lot about Palestine in the news in recent days and weeks. Uh, what can you tell us that you're hearing from, from those back home going through the, the current crisis, especially if you have connections in Gaza? But I know even Bethlehem is, is in upheaval right now. It's absolutely frustrating and, um, uh, and not only frustrating, it makes us also full of anger, uh, but it also makes us stronger because the anger that we have, we want to use in a better way. Being here today, it's a great message to the outside world, to everyone who is with us or with against us, uh, that we fight with football, with art, with culture, uh, with music, and that's our, uh, that's, our, uh, that's our message, that's our um, cause. Uh, and, and, and my message actually to be here, it's like stand up, be confident, and uh, be courage to say the truth, to tell what's going on, and to care. Because I'm sure when we care, we can make a huge difference. And the Palestinians, they are not asking for much. They're just the simple, basic rights. Uh, to live in harmony and peace and uh, security. Uh, and that's what we are looking forward. It breaks our heart to hear what's going on in Gaza and in the West Bank. But we believe that tomorrow will be better. We believe that when we meet people like you carrying this message of hope, justice, peace, which is also uh, uh, your um, uh, uh, slogan uh, in this church, in this forum, uh, this is how can we change lives and this is how we embrace uh, equality and, uh, and inclusion and bring um, justice to everyone. The Palestinian Arts Festival, Windows into Palestine here at Westminster today, tomorrow and Saturday, has been under planning or been in planning for now well over a year. Uh, we didn't know that we would be hosting this arts festival in the midst of all that's going on there, but uh, there will be other crises uh, in, in coming weeks and months and years where there is no peace in that land. What other things can you, as a Palestinian woman, suggest that Americans might do in addition to offering a, uh, a window into Palestine through culture and arts? What other kinds of things? We want courage. We want the world to be courageous enough to stand up for equality and justice. Courage is important. We want people to talk about that, to write about it, to, uh, to go there and see what the Palestinians are uh, suffering every day in their lives. So courage is much needed than any time else because that's how you stand with us. That's how uh, you share your, uh, your, 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 uh, your thoughts about what's going on. It's important to, to be courageous enough to stand for justice and to stand for equality and not just to be neutral or take other sides because to stand for justice, it's a human rights thing and this is the everyone would like to, to have and uh, to, uh, to, to, to live with human rights and basic human rights. What do you find it was so empowering for you about your involvement in sports? What was it that really gave you uh, this uh, kind of threshold experience moving from a, a one kind of a person to a, an empowered person through sports? What was that? What was the... What, what, what did you find so empowering about playing sports? You know, it's, it's the game itself. It's just magical. It didn't need anything or any money to invest in this game. I could play it everywhere, in the streets, in the, in the, in the neighborhood, uh, without a soccer shoes, uh, without a football. Uh, we just had to put uh, newspapers together. So it's fascinating that with such a simple game, 
that it is the love of billions of people worldwide, that it didn't matter what, is, what are your class, what is your gender, what's your nationality. Because when you play football, when you play soccer, we are all equal, we are all in the field. And then you can see that in Palestine, actually. Regardless of our differences, our religious, our political parties, once Barcelona and Real Madrid play, everybody watches and everybody supports their team and when Palestine plays too. So that was fascinating for me, the magic of this beautiful game that can influence the life of so many people. And I see it everywhere I travel. I can give the example when I was once in the slums in, in India. That was 2014. I went to one of the slums and met one of the girls to empower her to play soccer. And then little did I know that actually last year I met this girl. She came to me running, and it was through, during the Homeless World Cup, where it happens every year in a different country for homeless people. So she comes to me and she's like, honey, we met. And then at that moment, really, like I had tears in my eyes, and she explained to me that we met at the slums where she had nothing, and now she's empowered through this football, and football allowed her to travel to Oslo and to play with other teammates. That is the magic, and that is what kept me until today. And that's what has changed my life. I started from nothing, literally nothing, and now I am here to speak to you, and I'm representing FIFA worldwide, and I'm ambassador for so many organizations, and that was fascinating indeed. You've had a chance this week to visit with the University of Minnesota women's soccer team and with the Minnesota United Football Club. What's your impression of the state of soccer in Minnesota? This is a difficult question now. <laughs> yeah, I'm under pressure. <laughs> no, actually, it was really good to, uh, time here in Minnesota. I visited the Minnesota University. I saw all the facilities, and I met with the coaches, with the players, but also um, FC um, and Minnesota United. Uh, they are building a new stadium for 22,000 people. I'm sure together with uh, Rev Mitri, we will have to build the uh, uh, same stadium in Bethlehem. <laughs> We'll get right That's on my that. impression, yeah. actually. I want this in Bethlehem. <laughs> what advice do you have for, for those of us who might have daughters or granddaughters who might have a, uh, a desire to do something inspiring like you? What advice do you give to young girls as, as you meet with them? My advice, actually, to dare to dream, because sometimes we don't dare to dream. We think that our dreams are bigger than our expectations or our circumstances or our lives. But I always say, um, when I dared to dream, I never thought that I, my dreams will bring me here. And it was almost impossible to dream what I have dreamt. But because I dared to dream, and I managed to focus on my dreams and break down all my barriers, I managed to, to, to achieve all my dreams and make them true. So my message is dare to dream, be confident, be strong, be secure, because the future is yours. Honey, you've spoken of your dream several times, and I think we imagine that your dream is bigger simply than football. Uh, what is the dream you dare to dream? I dare to dream of justice to be prevailed one day, and sooner than later. That's my dream, justice to prevail. Aha. Uh -huh. Well, that's a good dream to have. <laughs> it's a what bigger you, dream, but... 
been, we would make it happen. You've been with FIFA for a number of years, uh, and eventually you will move on to something else, presumably, unless you become the head of FIFA, which I imagine is uh, well within your power. Okay, thanks. Uh, <laughs> you mean the president? <laughs> well, wh where do you see yourself going next? What, what is Honey Thalgia's dream in five years or ten years for your life? Um, actually, in, in five to ten years, uh, it's important that I am in, um, uh, in positions where I can inspire and change the lives of so many people. Because this is what happened to me. I managed to change my life uh, through football and uh, I'm willing to, uh, to continue changing the lives of so many girls and people uh, worldwide. And my dream is to be in that position which allow me to have more influence, to connect to more people, and to meet as much as possible, to just give them uh, the chance and the opportunities to change their lives. Are there any sports figures, uh, e either back home or somewhere in the world, who, who particularly inspired you as you were growing up? Sports figures, well, I had sports figures in terms of uh, how they play football on the pitch, but um, uh, I, I, I never... And who were some of those? <laughs> well, like, I, I, you know, I was too young, but uh, when uh, Pelé was playing and uh, Maradona was playing, yeah. now you will think of my age again, but... Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I like Cristiano Ronaldo, for example. Everybody thinks that he's arrogant and uh, he's, um, uh, he's full of himself, but the, what, what he's using to give back to, 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 to the world through this, his charities um, and his message to refugees and uh, even to Gaza, empowering people through her, his celebrity status is really important. And for me, the idol is, is this whole uh, thing together, not only the skills on the pitch, but off the pitch. And that's what we are trying to achieve through football, that we are not only players on the pitch, but we are also off the pitch uh, following um, uh, uh, what the game has to embrace to us. You know, because for me, it's a, a football match is a football feed uh, and football rules are only 90 minutes. And within the 90 minutes, many things happen. So, you know, you, uh, you have an opponent, uh, you, uh, you get a red card, you get a, a yellow card, you fall, but you get up and you lose and you win. And that's a reflection in life. You also respect your opponents. You are together. You, are, um, at, uh, you have the team spirit. And that's what happens in real life. Respect, commitment, follow the rules, respect the other side, and uh, enjoy and have fun and, uh, and uh, you know, like uh, uh, um, tackle all the challenges. And you know that one day you will win and one day you will be there and one day you will uh, recover and one day you will overcome. So uh, role models are great and that's our uh, uh, also mythology in DR to focus on role models and inspire them uh, to reach for the stars, inspire them to inspire the new generation. But uh, if you think about other role models, not sports, that I have to grow up with, it's, it's, uh, it's the man sitting there, actually, Mitra Rahib, uh, who's with his vision and leadership uh, inspired uh, us uh, in the church and beyond, and Bethlehem and Palestine. So We gather that from your presentation, honey, that you're quite hopeful in spite of the circumstances about the future. We have just a few moments remaining. Are you full of hope about the, the very difficult situation in Palestine from your home? Full of hope, I uh, don't know to which extent that's the right expression, but I'm hopeful that uh, one day, uh, as I mentioned, justice will, uh, will, will come, and one day uh, the basic human rights for the Palestinian peoples, but not only in Palestine, worldwide, will come. 
and uh, one day we will live in peace, justice, equality, uh, without any challenges, without any walls, without any restrictions, without any checkpoints. We share that hope. Thank you, Honey Thalgia. Thank you.